welcome to episode 64 of the Adelan Rising podcast. We're your hosts, Saren, Lynn, and Adam. In today's episode, we discuss Strike Force number one, Marvel Team Up number six, and Miss Marvel seven and eight. Um, I'm just going to preface by saying um, we uh, will be reviewing Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur number 47, the final issue, but we are um, going to devote an entire episode to that. So stay tuned for uh, that, guys. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good. I've got my new Marvel sweatshirt on with Inhumans on the Sleeves. I'm oh, very cozy. That. It got Spider-Woman on it, too. It does. Where did you get it from again? This is from H&M. I need it. From H&M, it really? Yeah, it is it is super cozy. That's, what size do uh... you get? So I need. Is it like I... oversized or like baggy? Uh, they say it's oversized, but I put it, in the, put it in the dryer. I got a medium and it was true to size. If you're going to dry it, I would get the size you usually wear. Got it. I think I'll have okay. to look, see if they're in the uh, the UK H&M, if they're, they're a unisex. It is. That's all right, then. I'll uh, I'll have a look on the uh-huh. on the UK website. Yeah, I need that. All right, so let's, uh, I guess, start off with some more news that we might have. Shall I start? Yeah. Go for it. Okay, so if you play Future Fight, uh, they had a very ill-conceived faction battle event <laughs> in Humans versus X-Men. Uh. And, uh, <laughs> there was some... Can we not escape it? Can we not escape it? We have to, they have to keep bringing it up, and of course, to keep it even, they forced some people to be on the Inhuman side. But wow. the Inhumans, the Inhumans won by a narrow margin. That's because so, they're the best. So yep. from us to everybody from the X Men faction, good game, guys. Was it was it PvP? No, no, oh. which was good for the Inhuman side because there are no tier three Inhumans. Which it, makes I, no sense. Black Bolt should be a tier three. Yeah, I was about to yeah. say. I'm pretty sure that someone on Twitter, like whether Crystal it's you or not, be a tier three too. She's oh, she, so much, she's so much fun to play. She is, and you know, I don't care for the Fantastic Four suit for her, but it changes her power set, and she just destroys everything. She, she's. I've got her up to level seventy now, and she just runs over anything. It's good to know. I should get a future fight, but I, I did try it once before. I just couldn't get into it. It's stupidly fun, and I, I go through spurts where I play it a lot, and then I won't play it for months and months. And yeah. here's the thing, though. When you not play it for months and months, they give you all sorts of free boosters and shit. So <laughs> yeah. the only reason I have Crystal at Tier 2 and Level 60 with 6 stars and completely maxed out is because of that. I'm, I'm still pissed off at them because they have every spider person but Jessica Drew <laughs> in this game. So that's why I, I, I boycott it for months at a time because I don't have it. And then I keep asking on Twitter and no one gets to me. So whatever. <sighs> and Boom Girl is in the game. game. Yeah, she is. And she's got double dinosaur at her side. She's a lot of fun, too. She is. Also- and he, he takes up a lot of screen. Yes. It, it's kind of hard to see when he shows up. I gotta like hook up my phone somehow to my TV so I can play it on a big screen because I think that would be really fun. Moving on. We've got an Annihilation one-shot starring Beta Ray Bill coming. Yay! Lockjaw will be guest. Lockjaw will be guest starring. Oh yay! That's always good. I hope it's like I hope it's one of those stories from uh from, that was mentioned in uh, Death of the Inhumans. That would be oh, so maybe. good. Who's I, writing it? Who is writing it? Is it um? Let me look here. If it's Donny Cates. I would not put it past him to include <laughs> that, like one of those stories or something. Violation Scourge, Beta Ray Bill, writer Michael Moresi. Oh, no I idea who that is. Nope. I'm sorry, I'm still reading it. It's Battery Bill and Lockjaw. That's always a fun dynamic duo. Yep, and uh, yep. yeah, I mean, the, the entire Annihilation thing should be quite good, but I don't know. As long as it's not a complete rehash, that's the main thing. Uh, Yes, we'll have to see. Yep. Uh, it seems like it's going to be different because I think I read something that Annihilus is not the villain. What? Interesting. Th- there's something <laughs> coming that even he's afraid of. Yeah, that sounds. When's that sounds like Annihilation pretty fun. coming again? Because I'm sorry, I really have not been following too much outside of my little. I, I my my pull list is mostly solo titles at the moment. Was it next? It next starts month? in December. Uh, let's see, it okay. starts in November. The one shots come out in December. That's a lot of events all at once. Yeah. Yeah, so much for uh, kind of slimming down on the events side of things, but. Yeah, well, I I really <laughs> haven't been picking anything up. So yeah, admittedly, I haven't either. I mean, um, I've just been doing sort of similar to you, getting a lot of solo titles. I don't know. That's what where my interest is right now, with the exception of Strike Force, which we'll get into in a little bit. Yeah. Um, moving yeah. on. The Marvel Avengers game. Turns yeah. out that Kamala Khan is the main character. I was at NYCC when this was announced. Unfortunately, I was actually not at that 
panel when it, I think it was announced during either the games panel or true believers panel. But let me tell you when it was announced, like the con was buzzing about it. Like they're like, Oh, Kamala's the main character. That's cool. And then, um, during the women of Marvel panel, they showed some of the gameplay. Guys, he's going to be so much fun. I might have yeah. to just buy a PlayStation to, to get this game. I, I, I might, it might be happening for that. Yeah. There was a lot of criticism of the character designs, but she looks great. She does. Um, they had, they also at the women of Marvel panel at NYCC, and I know I'm going to go into NYCC a little bit more. They had her actress for the game there. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be so cool. I'm just really excited for it, and the the actress they had for her for the game is really awesome. I forget her name. I'm really bad, guys. I'm sorry. I think, but she was so excited, and just, it's going to be yeah. so good. I think yeah, the game I itself that, looks really good. Yeah, yeah. and the, the gameplay for Kamala apparently is really fun. Yeah, she looks her like... Power set last to play and they were they were um you could play the bit of the game at the marvel booth they had like tv and stuff uh and games like consoles set up there um i never got in line for it though because it was a little bit insane so i was like "Mm, no i'll pass but when i was standing in line for the merch i was watching people play it and yeah it looks like it's going to be a good game guys so if you don't have a ps4 like me you'll be buying is is it not being released on xbox and pc is it? Because if it is, I'm getting it for PC then, and I'm not buying myself a... I was going to say... As I'm... far as I know, I, I swear I thought I heard it was only for PlayStation. That, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I thought it was on all consoles. If it's on all consoles, then sweet. Then I don't have to buy anything, and I'll be getting it for my Switch. Or well, my PC one or the other. Yeah, but... it'll it'd it'd probably be PC. I doubt Switch will be powerful enough to, to run it, but... I, I'm really looking forward to that game. It looks so good. Some of the que- some of the character designs are a little bit questionable, but, you know... We're finally getting the Avengers game that was announced what two or three years ago. Yeah, I'm excited for it. It's kind of it's kind of a little bit late, but <laughs> you know what? It's not late. People no, are hyped for it. Yeah. It's never late enough. I think I think people are hyped for it. I think so. it's gonna be one of the biggest selling games of whatever year it's going. It comes out next year, doesn't it? So yeah, awesome. I'm excited. Um, Marvel Comics 1001. We had an Inhuman sighting. They got another one pager Yay. by Nick Spencer and Steve Lieber. It was another cute <laughs> really one where they're good. just messing with the watcher. <laughs> yeah, but at the end, uh, they weren't quite messing with them, were they? <laughs> Whoops! Oops, a daisy. That's what you get for messing with the watcher. That was re- it was really cute, though. I liked it. Yeah, I, I, I have to. I have to admit, as I admitted in the last uh, X Men review show, uh, I, I forgot to buy it until this weekend. <laughs> ah. So <laughs> I've only just got it. <laughs> It's on, it's nice. on its way from eBay. Excellent. So you went to see uh, NYCC, Saren? I did, as previously mentioned. Uh, I spent all four days at NYCC, and it was awesome. I had so much fun, you guys. Um, I spent most of it. I really wasn't on the show floor, the main show floor, all that much, because um, it gets really, really crowded and a little bit overwhelming. So, yeah, you know, yeah. it, it's it's like sardines. And with the Javits Center under construction, like half of it's closed. Um, so I spent a lot of time in Artist Alley, um, and at panels. <laughs> you spent uh, a lot of time in Artist Alley going to one particular person, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I went to see Howard a lot. I, like, went visit her, like, once a day. Um, poor Teeny lost her voice on day two, so I didn't really get to ask her many questions. But if you do see Teeny Howard at a con, go talk to her. She is absolutely the sweetest person you will ever meet. Um, so you absolutely need to stop by and say hi to her. Um, also artist, uh, Jermaine. Peralta, whose name I just butchered again, and I'm sorry, I cannot pronounce his name correctly. Um, but he was pretty cool with me messing it up because I tried, and he was like, no, you're fine. Um, he also, a totally, totally nice person. He's an absolute sweetheart. Um, if you can get a commission from him, do so, because I have the most beautiful commission of Spider-Woman that you will ever see. He painted it, and it was under $200. So That's, so that's really good, actually. And it's, yeah. it's and it's bigger. It's not quite an eleven by seventeen, and it's, it's somewhere between like the nine by or the nine by twelve and the eleven by seventeen size. Um, worth the money. So, so yep. just just for a, a reference to to any British people <laughs> listening to the podcast, uh, what's that? Somewhere between A four and A three, I guess. Probably, I yeah. guess. I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, I, you guys have so many different paper sizes; it's ridiculous. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> But seriously, we have art paper that's 11 by 14. Right? I have a couple of those. (laughs) 
I think that might be what size it is, 11 by 14. Actually, now that I think about it, that sounds about right. Um, anyway, super nice guy, beautiful artwork. Um, if you can get a commission from him or even just want to say hi, do it. Really nice guy, like every other comic person I've ever met. Um, totally the nicest people. Um, but thank you to Teeny Howard for putting up with me all weekend because I kept coming back to her with shit to sign. <laughs> and I kept buying stuff too. I'm like, oh, Yusa Knots is at your table now. I didn't see that yesterday. I'm buying that. And I fuck it, put it in my bag and throw money at her. <laughs> George, genuinely though, I think Teeny Howard is probably one of my, you know, one of the group of favorite writers I've got at the moment at Marvel. Oh, she's wonderful. She, yeah. she, I, I did go to the X-Men panel on your behalf. Um, she is a riot and she, she was the only woman on the panel for the X-Men panel. And she is hysterical. She like comes out and she's like, I was promised my mutant drugs. Where are they? <laughs> and then, cause she lost her voice. So like she could barely talk. That panel. And then she's talking about Apocalypse and she's like, you know, I write, I've written Thanos and now I'm writing Apocalypse. I think it's become clear that I really enjoy a man in cool blue tones. <laughs> and she was just bringing the thirst to the panel and it was hysterical. I love her so much. Yeah. Um, she, she, the, uh, she's so good. Like, she is. She really is. And um, at the panel, the X-Men panel in particular, I had actually gotten into the lottery. Otherwise, I wouldn't have bothered to go. Um, but I won a lottery seat, so I went. And um, no mention of the Inhumans at all, uh, other than um, someone from the crowd did ask. And Jordan White said that there's no plans for the immunity of future for the um, Inhumans to show up in any of the X-Books. However, he did mention that the Inhumans... Um, are a big part of X-Men history and there is a chance they may show up in the future some point further down the line. I think that kind of makes sense because I think um, Lynn has got kind of a, a thought on the fact that the kind of the X-Men now have kind of gone down the route of effectively being immortal and being resurrected by you know, by a machine, which is relatively mm-hmm. similar to, to Eternals. Sure, I mean, you, Eternals. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you want to go through it, I mean, just just briefly, I suppose. Oh no! It's it's just that it, it's interesting that they're bringing the Eternals into the MCU. Yeah. At the same time that they're making the X Men more like the Eternals, and then of course, I don't know if they've retconned it yet, but the Celestials created the Eternals, and they also m- messed with humans, creating the X Gene, which made mutants. Yeah. But yeah. didn't history of the Marvel Universe imply that the Inhuman Tuck also has something to do with the mutants too? Yes, that his genes made humans more susceptible to mutation. Right. So it's a big continuity mess. <laughs> yes. Excellent. Yeah. Um, other fun things from NYCC. Um, I did go and uh, I met Chris Claremont. Had him sign my issue of Avengers Annual Ten. He is uh, a nice, he, such a nice guy. He is a very nice guy. I also had Michael Golden sign it as well. Um, I went to the panel with him in Sub- um, the Marvel Fanfare where Sobolski had a conversation with him. Um, some lots of, a lot of X-Men talk that I don't remember, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I also went to the Next Big Thing panel, which I was kind of disappointed in because the last few years they haven't really, it was all, it was Donny Cates and Al Ewing and I forget who else. I, I imagine it's going to be related to basically... It was Absolute Carnage and yeah. uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and Cosmic Marvel. And the only female character that they all they brought up at all was Al Ewing's Valkyrie run. And I'm sitting here watching this panel, and they did this last year too. Teeny Howard was at NYCC, so why did they not have her on the panel, like, talking about Strike Force and hyping it up? Like, they just – I've just – going into – because we're going to go into Strike Force here in a minute um, because it's a book that – I think is really good and has a lot of promise, but nobody's yeah. talking about it. So, so this so, is it's the same thing with power uh, with um, Future Foundation. Like that's had that's going to have six issues and it's gone because Marvel don't want to push it, and it just like it, it's frustrating. It's hugely frustrating. Well, it is very frustrating. And I actually talked to Teeny Howard about this at NYCC. I asked her about it. She thought that Marvel did a pretty good job promoting it. And I, I, you know, I felt I, I totally just dis- I disagreed with her. About I, it. I disagree. I, yeah. I disagree. I said, you had all this build up, and then after that, it was like crickets. 
But Teeny did assure me that Marvel seemed pretty happy with the sales of Strike Force number one. Yep. So she said it's not going anywhere for a while, but I don't know if a while is six books or twelve books or what. But even if it gets so, twelve books, we still got it for a year. So would, on the bright I side, be, I would love more than twelve. But if we got twelve, which seems to be the theme, I would yeah. be okay. But I, I, this the, the reason I think it's sticking around is because it has some War of the Realm fallout. Yeah, um, yeah. But I mean, the, the War of the Realms. Um, I, 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 I think the whole War of the Realms thing was kind of like. Is a bit like Marmite, I think. Um, you know, it was it was terrible. No, it wasn't terrible, what? but I think some some people. Marmite's terrible. <laughs> uh, Lynn, what do you think to Marmite? Uh, I've never had it. Oh, okay. So it's there's terrible. two. So there's two people on this podcast that think it's terrible, which kind of really goes against their marketing campaign, which is you either love it or you hate it. Um. <laughs> so so yeah, I I I I wasn't overly keen on War of the Realms. I just. It was a bit of a slog to get through. I so, like the Titans. I loved Leah Williams' Giant Men tie-in. T- um, I, I, I think I felt like the tie-ins were a bit better. Um, I, I got As Guardians of the Galaxy, which overall was kind of a, a bit of a, an average book, but the actual War of the Realms tie-ins was actually quite good. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but she, she seemed pretty confident that the book isn't going anywhere. So, and she loves the characters that she's writing in the book. I just think oh, why <laughs> we're reviewing it is that it got drowned out a lot by the X-Men, I think. Oh, definitely. I, I don't, oh, I, I mean, yeah. that's, I, I think that's a given for basically any books that have come out in the last four months, uh, three months, four months, however long it's been. Mm-hmm. Because, but, you know, you've had 12 weeks of just this right. status quo changing book. That's been massively hyped due to the fact that the writer that's on it, um, yeah, every everything's been drowned out. I don't think I've read a single book other than the ones for this podcast, other than you know the ones for this podcast and House of X. It's it's just that they're the only ones I've read. So right, but <laughs> but here and but the whole thing, the whole point of it is, is that I was very disappointed in the next big thing panel because it was just a sausage fest, um, <laughs> except for Al Ewing being the awesome dude that he is and talking about Valkyrie. Um, so I was. Very happy that at least we had Valkyrie mentioned in the panel. Um, Women of Marvel, I was much more satisfied. That was like, that was what I want. What the Women of Marvel panel is, is almost what I want the next big thing panel to be when in regards to comics, because they were so much more comprehensive of what books were coming out than than the next big thing was. And I don't know. Uh, I was disappointed in that panel, and I think a lot of other people were too. And do we actually know what the next big thing really is? Um, I'm really honestly, it's the fact that we are getting Al Ewing on Guardians of the Galaxy, and the cat. There's a chance that the Inhumans are going to be on there because he said the cast for Guardians of the Galaxy is going to be huge, and he's going to be basically taking over the cosmic side of Marvel. Oh, that would be yeah, awesome. that'd be really good. Yeah, I'm, I'm and then Donny Cates is moving on to Thor. Yes, I saw that. Uh, um, so that'll be good, and I honestly cannot remember anything else from that panel other than that because guys. It was information overload. You go to NYCC for four days. It's amazing. You can stand up on Monday, which I could not. Um, but I mean, but, uh, see, I'm, I'm genuinely looking forward to going to C2E2 next year now because I've never been to a, like, um, a con for more than a day. And oh, they've no. always been in the UK as well. So it's not like it's been as big as what it is in the US. Yeah, and C2E2 isn't even as big as what NYCC is. NYCC, I think, here's the thing. Whoever said, oh, Thursday at NYCC is the slowest day, they're a fucking liar. Because <laughs> I was there on Thursday, and I was floored by how busy it was. It was like it was like Saturday last year, how busy it was. And I was talking, I think it was Robbie Thompson I was talking to and Joe Caramagna. Uh, who, they know me. <laughs> <laughs> so just, so does Brandon Montclair. He saw me. He's like, hey, Saren. And um, they all said that Thursday, they have never had such a busy Thursday as it was at NYCC this year. It's just getting bigger. And when that, when, when at the Javits Center is finished construction, I don't even want to know what it's going to be like. It's going to be off the walls nuts. And it's going to be so fun. It's such a well-run con, like, other than the bathroom situation. It is such a well-run con. If you have a chance to go, go. And I know Reed Pop also runs C2E2, so oh, it, I it's think, also very well organized. Yeah, I think Reed Pop also organized the MCM in the UK as well. Yeah, it's 
I have, I just, other than the bathrooms, and I realize um, they did try to mitigate it with some porta potties outside, because like I said, the job is under convention. The bathroom situation was terrible. Like, you're in, when the men's room is waiting 20 minutes to go, there's. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think, the, I don't, the only thing I think is, I don't think Repub advertised that they had porta potties outside all that much. So. Also, that's if, a bit grim as well, because they're not, they're not exactly great. No, but if you gotta go, you gotta go. Yeah. And, yeah. and we, and, I would rather do that than wait 25 minutes for a bathroom. Yeah. Um, C2ET's convention center is much better that way. Yeah, well, like I said, the Javits is under construction and has been. I think it's going to be under construction for another year. So I think once it's under, once construction is done, I think it's going to be a lot better. <laughs> um, and I think they'll, they'll move Artist Alley to the even bigger. I mean, it was in a huge room this year, but they're going to move it into an even bigger room once it's all done because the room it was in um, the first year I went, 2016, before the Javits went under con- um, construction, um, was huge and i just yeah it was like you had wider alleys i mean the one this year was was good but um it's even bigger and it gives you more space so even when you have like fifty thousand people in artist alley it doesn't feel like fifty thousand people like it did this year and like literally artist alley does get that crowded it's insane jen bartell like if you did not get to jen bartell's booth first thing in the morning you were waiting in line for her for like an hour it was, like, within 10 minutes. Like, I would get there right away. I, I would purposely queue in for, for main stage panel so I could get to Artist Alley so I could get everyone the pins they wanted <laughs> right off the bat in the morning. Um, so, the things I did for you people to get you your things. I know you all <laughs> so it was okay. Um, but, yeah. Uh, I would had to do the same thing in the Marvel booth to get that Strike Force variant of Spider-Woman, too, for people that asked me to get it for them. So... Okay, so we're reviewing uh, Strike Force number one this week, which isn't technically an Inhumans book, but as I said earlier, um, we feel that this book needs more people talking about it because it's really good. Um, yep. Writer is Teeny Howard, who is now Marvel exclusive. Uh, artist Jermaine Peralta, colorist oh, Eisner Award-winning Jordi Belair. Letterer VCs Joe Sabino um, with Joe Bowen on the Strike Force logo. Uh, cover by Andrea Sorrentino and Dean White with variants by Ryan Benjamin, Mike Diodato Jr., Greg Horn, Joe Bennett, Joe Casada, and David Yarden. Um, there's a lot to unpack in this issue, so let's uh, begin. Um, our story opens uh, showing Angela, Spider Woman, Jessica Drew, Spectrum, aka Monica Rambeau. Bucky uh, and Wiccan holding vials of deadly viruses and toasting the end of the world. Um, we then cut to the current Avengers team, which is Captain Marvel, She-Hulk, uh, Black Panther, um, Ghost Rider, and Iron Man um, flying over a uh, USA um, Medical Research Institute of Infectious Diseases compound, which shall henceforth be known as the USA MRIID. Um, to investigate viruses that went missing. Um, inside the facility is a bloody mess. The guards have been exposed to a virus and attack the Avengers. She-Hulk gets enraged and rips off her mask, exposing herself to the viruses as well. Um, claiming to overhear the voices of the people they know, she rampages through the facility with Carol and Tony in hot pursuit. Um, finally, Jen busts through a wall, and much to Carol and everyone else's shock, we see Jessica, Mon- Monica, um, Bucky, Billy, and Angela as well as the solar viruses. Um, our Strike Force team is apprehended by the very confused Avengers. Jessica, or Carol, sticks up for Jessica and Monica, uh, stating they would never do anything like this. Cap concedes the point, but since there's no evidence that the Strike Force team was mind-controlled or our Skrulls, all evidence points to them, but something just isn't adding up. Uh, T'Challa calls in Blade for assistance. Um, meanwhile, in the holding room, the Strike Force team is passing the time. Monica states she doesn't recall how she got there and doesn't know much about a few of the others. Billy confirms that he has no idea as well and admits to being a bit of a germaphobe, so he would do something like this. Uh, Blade busts in, cutting out visuals and sounds the Avengers have. He explains to the team that he believes what they're saying, but what they're dealing with is out of their league. Blade takes the Strike Force team with him, not because he trusts them, but because there's no other choice. Um, we then have a flashback to a 70s Blade complete with afro and awesome sunglasses. <laughs> and, and, and great outfit as well. <laughs> Right? It was so great. Yeah. Uh, where he first encounters the foe the team is facing. Uh, he thinks he's saving a young girl from a vampire, but the girl winds up 
wrecking the vampire and Blade freaks out and slices her in half. When he does, she changes into what looks like a dark elf thing. Um, he finds the real girl not far away in a dumpster. Uh, Blade is completely and understandably freaked out. What the hell just happened? Um, with some stolen teleporter tech, uh, the team finds themselves in Indonesia. Um, Blade explains that he took a sample of the thing to the Avengers so he could track the changelings. Billy asks why they just can't tell the Avengers, and Blade explains that by knowing these guys exist can drive you mad because they'll start talking in your head. And uh, just as Billy recognizes where they are, um, one of the shapeshifters jumps out at them, looking like Dr. Doom. Uh, Angela makes short work of it um, with no trouble, as Jess makes it very, very clear that she does not like shapeshifters. Um, later, Angela and Blade go off alone. She recognizes their foe as the Verdai, a sect of fae from um, one of the realms I cannot pronounce, um, who can take on the features of anyone they want. She describes them as a virus of thought. To know them is to be their victim, so only the victims can stop them. Uh, Angela also points out that they can only take the form of those they have captured, which means they've gotten a hold of Doom. Um, Blade and Angela enter a cave and are immediately attacked by Morva Die. They're not on their own for long, though, as Jess, Monica, and the others come to their aid. After a short skirmish, they explore deeper into the cave where Angela boldly announces their presence because she does not sneak. Um, <laughs> we meet the leaders of the uh, Radai, uh, Count Ophidian and his well-dressed assistant, who I think um, in Tini's uh, director's cut notes is named Brigitte. Um, she's very well-dressed. Uh, there are some words thrown about. Blade loses his patience and a fight ensues. Enter Damon Hellstrom. He's just as surprised to see Blade as Blade is to see him. Blade assumes Hellstrom is one of the Verdai and continues to fight back with the others, despite Angela's warnings to stop. Uh, the strike, 14, strike Force team gets their asses handed to them, and the Count and his assistant make their escape, leaving Hellstrom behind. Blade rallies one last time, stabbing Hellstrom right through the chest, except his form doesn't change back to that of the Verdai. Just then, Blade's phone rings. It's Satana saying Hellstrom just showed up and is acting weird. To be continued. I gave this 4.5 out of uh, 4.5 lockjaws out of 5 lockjaws. Um, I think Teeny did. Teeny had a lot of work to do this uh, this issue. Um, she had to explain exactly how this team got together and who their foe is. Um, though we still don't know that much about them. I'm a big fan of Jermaine Peralta's art. I loved it. Um, and with Jordy Barrett. Bolero on colors, I don't think you can go wrong. Um, I am being nitpicky with some of the timeline errors with the flashback to the 70s, and um, which was a, clearly a long time ago. So how long has Blade had that sample on him before he took it to the Avengers? Because he hasn't been with the Avengers until recently. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's um, that's my really my biggest nitpick of it all. Um, but really, um, considering all the information, this issue was such an info dump. Um, but I still think it, while it was an info dump, I had no problem following what was going on. Um, I loved it. And I love how Teeny um, tells the story. I'm really excited that it's so fantasy laden with the Fae. Because um, as we were talking about before we started recording, the Fae are freaking terrifying. <laughs> and they are assholes. And yes. I cannot wait to see what's going on here. Um, Jessica, I love Jessica being on this team because when I talked to Tinia at NYCC, she was really excited to fuck with Jessica about this with her issues with the shape changers. Because if you recall, um, Jessica was impersonated <laughs> by the Skrull Queen for a couple of years. There was a whole event yeah. for that. <laughs> yeah, there was a whole event for that. So the thing that really got to me was that one part where... Um, Jessica said out loud that she has issues with shape changers. That is very uncharacteristic of Jessica in the fact that if you look at her in the rest, like the whole, throughout the whole issue, she kind of is hanging back and observing, which is very typical of Jessica. That she's not going to really interact that much with people, but if she's voicing how uncomfortable she is with the idea of shape changers, she is freaking out. So it'll be really fun to see, uh, see what teeny does to fuck with jess i'm excited about it um the other thing i wanted to point out um is billy texting teddy from indonesia um i feel like that's going to come back and bite them in the ass because he's clearly taking selfies and 
I think he's probably told Teddy everything. And if Teddy knows about these fuckers, then... Teddy is now infected. Yes. So I think that's going to come and bite them in the ass. Yep. Yep. See, I have to um, admit, this isn't, isn't something I would normally pick up. Um, purely because of, like, what you said, the, the kind of the real fantasy element of it. It was very much a, a story kind of based on almost like the horror side of things. I, I guess that's kind oh, of the it's intention. Be a horror story. Yeah. yeah which, you read Teeny's notes at the back. Uh, I, I haven't. I, I, I read the book. <laughs> that's all <laughs> I read, I'm afraid. But yeah, I, I mean, I'm not usually one to pick up horror stories. I'm not usually one to pick up this kind of book, but I enjoyed um, it and I'm definitely going to keep reading it. Um, it's just very different, that's all. Yes, it is. Now. Um, I, I love it, the, the fantasy elements. I always like the, the fantasy and more horror-focused stories. And yeah. I just want to point out the tie into War of the Realms. Yes. yes. Because that is where they, the, uh, the monsters from this came from when Freya destroyed the Black Bifrost. Yep. And it yeah. spread their spores and woke them up. Yes. Um, so I think I think with that fallout, I, I do think it's, this might be something that spreads out more into the Marvel Universe as things go, which is why I think this might be a book to watch um, as well. Um, Teeny has dropped some hints on Twitter um, that things are going to get steamy in Strikeforce, uh, a little bit of some women love women, um, huge devil and angel icons, so... It's either something's going to be going on with Angela and Satana in the next issue, or is she bringing Sarah back? Um, she also mentioned a deep cut Spider Woman reference in Strike Force number two, so keep an eye out for that. Um, I love that Satana has Blade on speed dial. Yes, and Blade <laughs> has a phone. <laughs> right. Um, also, his ringtone. Oh my god, that was <laughs> the best. For, for those who don't know, that was I'm Your Boogeyman by Casey and the Sunshine Band. <laughs> I, di- I didn't know that. I, I clearly have no taste in music, so. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I don't either, but that's, I know of Casey and the Sunshine Band. It's a good song. Good to know. Um, some other things I wanted to point out is that I think Bucky, um, while being the least powered individual on this team, might be MVP since uh, Angela noted that they seem partic- the Verdi seem particularly sensitive to his bullets. Uh, so we may want to watch that. And then um, the director's cut edition. Uh, for a short time, you could um, download the digital version of this book from Marvel and get the director's cut edition, which showed um, the art progression um, as well as uh, Teeny's script for the first issue. And you can see the differences in um, what Teeny had initially wrote than what was printed in it. So there was one particular part that stood out with me when Blade breaks in to help the Strike Force team out. And Monica says, um, Blade, you're with the Avengers now. In Teeny's script, Monica says, Blade, you're still with the Avengers, which I think is more appropriate because isn't Monica the one who um, reached out to Blade to help the Avengers in the first place a few months ago? I believe so. So I don't know why that was changed, but it was. Um, And then you didn't see uh, Teeny's letter at the end there uh, to all of us, Adam? Uh, No, I didn't. Do you want me to read it? Okay. Do you want me to read it, Lynn? Okay. So, <laughs> so basically, Teeny left us all a little bit of a letter um, at the end of Strike Force number one. And it says, uh, trust me, are there any words scarier than those two-word horror story, if you ask me? Trust me. So this is a horror book about trust, which is the scariest thing I could think of having to trust a bunch of relative strangers with the fate of the entire world. I don't trust a restaurant without reading its Yelp review first, so you can imagine why this might be an ideal theme for me to explore. Blade isn't the first person to come to mind when anyone thinks team leader, but we have to scare him too, and I get him personally. If things are bad, I mean really, really bad, I'd rather be the one driving. I don't trust anyone else to get me there in one piece. When it gets down to it, I never think I really want help. As far as Blade's concerned, he's asking the others to help the same way you ask a kid to help you cook when you really just want them to stay safely out of the way. 
Of course, that's not the case, and everyone else on this team is here by design. They have a little monster in them, a little spark, a little twist, something in them that we don't understand, and maybe they don't understand yet either. For some characters, that's obvious. Moody kids like Damon and Angela and Bucky love a mean mission. But Wickham, Wiccan or Spectrum? And then, trust me. Now that you finished issue one, you know that what the threat is, so I guess you're part of the team now. Whether you like it or not, you're, you know the truth, or at least you know just enough of the truth to know that it's terrifying. And if you know more, and if you know more, about yeah, and it knows more about you than you know about yourself. It's okay, though. We're going to get through, the, through it. We're going to put our backs together, even if we don't know each other very well, because we're victims of circumstance here, and we have to make it out alive. If you come along with me, I have but one request of you. Trust me. And that is the letter at the end. And if you want to uh, write to Marvel about Strike Force, please do. I'm heroes at marvel.com. That was a good book. It was yep. good. So, I'm so happy to have Monica in it. Yes. Yeah. She she doesn't I get enough airtime. Team all together. They're gonna Admittedly gonna admittedly that was one of the reasons why I got this book was, was more because of the team than it was, you know, any particular I mean, the team and the writer, I guess. That was the reason I bought it. So, I think you're not alone in that, Adam. I think a lot of people they saw the team and they were like, What the hell is this? Yeah. And, and <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. But no, it's it's really good. And I, like I said, it's, it's not something I would normally pick up, but it is very good, and it is something that I I kind of I'm glad I did pick up. Okay, so next up is Marvel Team Up issue six, um, which is written by Clint McElroy. The artist is Ig Guara. Colors uh, by Felipe Sobrero. Letterer is uh, VCs Clayton Cowles. So this issue starts out where issue 5 ended, as you'd expect. The guys are waiting for the arrival of Star Force, and Walter is act- acting particularly oddly. Uh, him and Carol try to figure out a plan of attack uh, where Star Force Blue appear. A new version of the traditional Star Force, but with members that have specific roles. Uh, basically, as Kamala says, a Kree version of Law and Order. At this point, uh, accuser Indigo questions Walter, asking him if he has an Omniwave projector, to which he admits to everything. To every single question, he admits exactly what he's been doing, which to Carol's dismay means he's almost certainly going to be arrested by Starforce Blue. Uh, this is where the fight ensues. Carol states exactly what she thinks of the Kree, suggesting that Starforce Blue team is basically just an invasion force. She's quite, she's quite sort of, I think she has her reasons for assuming that. With the protector protecting Walter from the ensuing fight, it appears that this fight uh, was playing right into Walter's hands when he reveals that he actually has a Psyche mag- Magnetron, the device that gave Carla powers in the first place. However, he has reversed the device to remove Kree powers, likely to affect both Carol and Kamala. Carol pipes up that Walter should stop with a hate, get educated, and then make a decision on whether he truly thinks the Kree are in the wrong. Of course, this is all a bit of a bait and switch, and Kamala then smashes the Magnetron. Walter is then given 10 years community service to help rebuild the Kree Empire. Is that a good thing? Uh, we might find out at some point in the future. Short review, but I, that's pretty much where it ended. I gave this one 2.5 out of 5 Lockjaws because it suffered kind of like Sins of the Father by everything that came before it. It just kind of it wrapped up nicely, but it just wasn't a great story to begin with. I just want the story retold with Eve Ewing writing it. I, I, I think it would be great in her hands. Yeah. Um, this issue I liked more than the ones that came before it in this story arc. Well, because it was the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the Kree Law and Order team. They were fun. Uh, yeah. Especially dun, dun. their reactions to Walter. Yeah. Like, I, 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 okay, weirdo. I thought that was quite good. Very lenient with him. Oh, yeah, hugely. I mean, they're basically just saying, oh, you can build all this stuff, therefore we're going to take you. But I, I don't know. I think just... they're going to regret that. Uh, definitely. But I don't, I, I don't <laughs> know if we're ever going to get any fallout from this or any follow-up to it. It just felt like a very poor story, and I, I hate the fact that I'm saying I, it like that. I, but... or, or I just wish it had a different author who... I, I feel like they picked the wrong person for this. Like They got someone like Eve Ewing for the first three stories, and they were fantastic. And then I I, I just... Yeah. I wish he had done it, or they had had Kelly Thompson write it, or Saladino Med write it, or someone who... Is more familiar with the character. Yeah. Yes, both characters, because I feel I just I'm just disappointed. What could have been a really amazing story? I felt I was just very disappointed because I would I want to I would I want a really awesome. It could have been such an awesome team up between Carol and Kamala. And it- yeah, it, it lacked. Um, 
And I, I will comment that the art was particularly annoying again in this issue. We won't go too much into that, but yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't like the art that much. I feel like the colorist kind of all the way throughout these issues, particularly with Carol, not with Kamala, put it that way. Carol is okay. Kamala is not. The rest of the book is is okay. The 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 line art isn't great. I feel really disappointed in reviewing it like that. That that is it though for Marvel Team Up. I don't yeah. think we're getting any more issues. Which may be a blessing in disguise. I don't know. If they had kept it up with more, like, or even like put Sean M. McGuire on it or something, man, because she's so good too. Just. Why? Why? It was such a letdown after the first arc, and I'm so disappointed. Like, I just wish they had kept it up with with Eve. Yeah, Eve Ewing would have been. I think think they should have just kept her on the book, and they didn't, and I'm so disappointed. I think the art is just so hit and miss as well, and it's like, colorist, everything is okay until you get to Kamala. I I struggle. I struggled reading this book. I'm I really just did. so disappointed. I was so excited for it, and now I'm ju- I'm just so disappointed. Yeah, I'm just disappointed, and it it could have been so much better than it was, and I'm just disappointed. Yeah, and it, it's it's such a shame. It's such it was, a shame. I, I, I struggled reading it. I really did, and I'm I'm very sorry. Something I did like was the references to Carol's origin. You know, with the Psyche Magnetron, I thought that was quite a nice reference. I thought that yeah. actually having the references to the original Captain Marvel in there was quite cool. Just as the overall arc, um, I thought the the Star Force was was quite cool. The Law and Order Strike Force. But yeah, I I totally agree. I think Eve Ewing would have made this so much better. And. <laughs> I, I just wish that she'd been on this book for si- or the whole six issues. In fact, you know what I would love is Eve Ewing doing a Kamala and uh, Riri Williams team up. Oh, yes. That would be so good. That would be amazing. Would. Just Eve Ewing on all the things. I love Eve Ewing. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the thing. She she is like she did. Um, what else has she done? Remind so me. I think I think she will. Um, I think she might be doing champions, like whatever they're relaunching, because Jim Zub's champions got canceled for whatever reason. But I think she said re and re re and, and Ironheart is ending. But Eve said Ironheart's not going anywhere. So I'm wondering if they're launching relaunching champions with Eve Ewing writing it, or they're doing Young Avengers with Eve Ewing writing it, and it's just going to be I our think, champions. Team. I think Young Avengers has been suggested a lot more than champions yeah and you, you know what i think that might be kind of it, it might be a nice change i mean I, I didn't really read much of champions but i don't know maybe just a it's just the same team different different name okay. i don't know i found an article that's with a quote from Eve lynn Ewing. with the google lynn with the google skills man google foo yeah <laughs> she says to check out incoming this december for clues as to what's coming next for her so, oh. so incoming is going to be the basically what, uh, you know, like Marvel point ones have always been, I guess, like the all new, all different Marvel issue zero. Maybe. So that looks good. I mean, I, I, I'm really glad that she's still sticking around at Marvel. I love that. So I love Eve. And like, uh, like when you look at my pull list, my pull list is like 90% Teeny Howard and Kelly Thompson. Eve is going to be added to that list and Al Ewing has already been on it. So that's, that's, if you want to know what my pull list consists of, it's Al Ewing, Saladin Ahmed, Teeny Howard, and Kelly Thompson. And it will be Eve Ewing again soon because I've been collecting Ironheart in collected editions and it's been fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Do go get Ironheart. It is, it is genuinely a good book and it's, it's really hard to believe that it's nearly five years since she was introduced yeah that's, that's the scary flies. thing like next year will be five years half a decade i mean that's that's crazy i mean i remember the first issue she was in because it was the invincible iron man book when it got relaunched after secret wars time nice. lies it does should we should we move on let's move on okay so moving on to magnificent Ma- magnificent ms marvel issue seven uh written by saladin ahmed artist is uh joey vasquez uh colorist is ian herring and letterer is vc's joe caramania uh so um issue seven opens on a regular old day for kamala uh, or as regular as it gets for her. Uh, she begins her day by overhearing her mother talking about dealing with Kamala's father's illness. Uh, clearly she's struggling with everything. She asks Kamala to help with Abu's med- medication, whilst he has an outburst clearly in pain. Uh, Amir and Taisha both arrive at the Khan household, with little Malak in tow. Uh, they're taking Mr. Khan to the doctor's. Q, Miss Marvel, arriving at, sco- uh, arriving at school, surprisingly on time. However, falling asleep in her first class and getting a telling off from her teacher. Uh, next class is physical education, or PE, uh, where her and Bruno have a bit of a heart-to-heart, talking about the other month when they spotted Kamala's father and his doctor. Uh, and, and those two, Kamala and uh, Bruno, are about to kiss. 
Yeah, they get caught by the teacher and told to run apart. Uh, then we move to Kamala and Zoe sitting in the cafeteria eating lunch uh, at 11.30. It's not a great lunchtime, guys. It's more brunch, that is. Yeah, but you know what? <laughs> when you're an American high school experience, sometimes you get lunch at 10.30 in the morning. So at least it's 11.30 is closer. Yeah, yeah. I, I've uh, mine's, my mind was always at one time in school, so... Um, so they decide on a road trip uh, to the best place in New Jersey for. Now I'm going to pronounce this as gyros, but you guys Euros. are going to tell me I'm right. It's euros. Um, euros. So just a little bit of back backstory. When I was in the US uh, earlier this year, I heard euros on the TV, and I thought, why are they why are they talking about euros? That's that's the European <laughs> European uh, currency. Adam. I said gyros too. It's okay. That's that's right then. And it's like it, it just it confused me so much. I literally sent a sent a message to um to Lynn and I was like, "What are they talking about euros for?" <laughs> I was like, "No, it's, it's it's gyros." I was like, oh, "Okay." I was very confused. Um, so in the book, they 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 basically reminisce over the teenage mutant samurai turtles. <laughs> Clearly, a reference to teenage mutant Ninja turtles. It's the tween mutant samurai girl. <laughs> Is it? Okay. Gee, wow. Um, and reference, a, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So a police car then shoots past and Kamala wants to see where it's going. But but no, this is a Ms. Marvel free weekend, guys. This is, you know, let them go and get their uh, gyros, euros, whatever you want to call it. Um, when, <laughs> when they arrive at the euro place, uh, they notice something. Something a bit odd. Uh, people from the local Rubicon facility are going around shouting report over and over, uh, acting like zombies. Uh, deciding to make a quick escape, they get back into the car and start driving off at speed, almost to, only to almost run into one of the droids from Rubicon. So Kamala suits up, she knocks some of the uh, Rubicon zombies back, and then enters Discord, aka Josh, last seen in issue two of the current run, where uh, Miss Marvel quickly took him out. Um, a quick fight ensues. Marvel take, t- takes him down again, only to comment that he should have brought help. Uh, to which a voice says he did enter lockdown, aka Becky. Basic someone. Becky. <laughs> God damn it, Becky. Uh, <laughs> someone not seen since issue 22 of the previous run, uh, run way back in 2017. Um, which I'd, I'd forgotten. It's been two years, oh, guys. No. I, I, I... I like Becky as a foe for Kamala. But keep going. But yeah, well, that's that's where it ends. Um, I gave this one four out of five lock jaws. The only reason it didn't get a five out of five, I think, it's because it's um, a bit of setup. Um, you can tell they're just kind of just putting everybody into place. Uh, but it's 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 a great book. I love Saladin Ahmed. Um, and and one of my yeah. one of my thought starters today is gyros or euros. Euros. I just, yeah. I, I don't think I actually had one when I was in the US. Oh, you missed out. They are delicious. What are they? Uh, <laughs> it's um, it's a sandwich that's on a pita with lamb meat and tzatziki sauce. Ooh, they are very lamb. good. They are, they are a tzatziki delivery system. Yeah, admittedly, I'm not a huge fan of lamb. Nor am I. Um, also... Um, because we're talking about Miss Marvel now and Saladin Ahmed, his birthday was at NYCC. Aww. And I went up to his table, which he did not have any posters or anything. He was just kind of sitting there. And I went up and I went, happy birthday, really loud. <laughs> and he was signing someone's book and he was like, thanks. Was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and then I, got a, then I got a macaron from him because he bought a whole crap ton of macarons. So anyone oh, who came macarons. up with happy birthday got a macaron, and I had a strawberry one, and it was delightful. Uh, so thank yeah. you, somebody said. He's the coolest guy. He is. No, those a... are a nightmare to make, by the way. They, yeah. yeah. Oh, my... so I had a strawberry one, and it was delightful. My old uh, my old manager's wife used to make them, because every Thursday at work we have like, um, like a cake, cake Thursday. Uh, and he used to bring in all the homemade stuff. And one of the things that she used to make was macarons. And they were amazing. But anyway, that was my Saladin Ahmed NYCC story. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the other thing was, obviously, on the um, on the cover of this issue, you've got zombies. Now, I think in the last kind of comics review episode, we were like, do you reckon this could be Marvel zombies? And it just looks like it's more um, kind of mind control-esque stuff. 
Yes. Which is kind of cool. Corporate but, zombies. Yeah, corporate zombies. <laughs> corporate zombies. That's exactly oh, what it is. That's exactly what we are. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, guys. Um, yeah, and the other, the other, four, the other four star I've got is God damn it, Becky. <laughs> yes, like, I love to hate Becky. Yeah, I really. Uh, do. She is terrible. Yeah. Oh dear. It's it's nice to see. I, I feel I feel like Josh is more sympathetic, but see, Becky is, is it's just you see her, you're just like, oh, God damn right it, on. Becky. <laughs> but it's I, just I, 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 I like. To hate I like to I like to see kind of the core Miss Marvel characters come around again. Um, yes, you know I think it was it was kind of long overdue that they're actually starting to like team up a little bit. Um, <laughs> so I think we're going to see a, a a bit of a a, a Miss Marvel villain team up, which is great. Um, she's got quite a cool rose gallery. So she does. I like I like I like our basic Becky and uh, Josh. It's just Discord <laughs> and lockdown, but she's basic Becky to me. <laughs> And I just think, I just think Kamala just needs to use that to taunt her. You know, you know how I met your mother, where um, uh, where Robin would be like, uh, like to Patrice, she'd be like, "God damn it, Patrice!" That's exactly what I imagine Miss Marvel does when Becky comes around. Yes. So, <laughs> oh dear. But yeah, it's, it's uh, a good issue. I think it's um, it's kind of, I think we're kind of heading towards the inevitable in this story. Um, with Kamala's father. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah, which is which is sad because I think anybody who's had to deal with that kind of thing really um, sympathizes at this point because it's it's a lot of helping out and you know doing the best you can and and that kind of stuff and and again Sally Ahmed does a, a really good really good job of writing that. Yes, I'm so glad. Like I was really upset when. G. Willow Wilson said she was leaving the book, but I'm so glad Saladin Ahmed um, was the one to take it over because I don't think anyone else could have written this as well as he has. Yeah, exactly. I believe uh, is a different artist on this issue as well. Same colorist, different artist. Yeah, it was Um, Joey Joey Vasquez. Vasquez. He did a great Alex. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm looking ahead at my issue number eight one. It's it's just Joey Vasquez on this one. Yeah, so he, I, I think he did a really good job. Um, you know, the the art is really good. It's, it kind of still follows the whole Ms. Marvel kind of theme, but yeah, it's still his kind of personal spin on it. So and uh, Ian Herring, brilliant as usual. Yeah, and then at the end of the issue, Joey. Uh, well, it's, well, we'll go on to it in issue eight. Um, but Joey Vasquez had a nice little dedication at the end of eight. Yes, we'll talk about them in a minute. But yeah, so we're covering seven and eight this issue, uh, this episode, because we forgot we we haven't covered it yet. <laughs> um. So let's jump into number eight. Okay, I'll just stop. Okay. Magnificent Ms. Marvel number eight. Writer Saladin Ahmed, the artist Joy Vasquez with Alex Arismendi, colorist Ian Herring, letterer Joe Caramagna. And another awesome cover by Edward Petrovich. The issue opens with Nakia and Zoe in the clutches of lockdown, a.k.a. Becky, who is the absolute worst. God damn it, Becky! (laughs) Ms. Marvel is forced to surrender, and Josh puts power-inhibiting manacles on her. They pile into Becky's Rubicon van, and Josh gives his sob story about his mysterious benefactor taking him in after his parents kicked him out. Before Kamala can talk him out of his villainous ways... Becky orders him to tape her mouth shut. Shortly after, they arrive in Rubicon, New Jersey, formerly known as Orange Plains. The streets Doesn't are exist. <laughs> but anyway, go ahead. The streets are crawling with corporate zombies as they pull into the Rubicon warehouse. Becky sends a zombie to get Uncle Brett. Meanwhile, Kamala's new Cree suit sets to disabling her manacles. Good job, suit. Yay! Uncle Brett arrives looking every bit like the evil tech mogul who are just ruining black <laughs> turtlenecks for everybody. Yeah, there was one thought I had when I saw that black turtleneck and I was like, oh wow, okay. Uh, you know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of Xanatos from Gargoyles. Oh my god, he, he's exactly Xanatos from Gargoyles. Okay. But does he have the Xanatos gambit? <laughs> he totally does. But anyway, let's keep going. Anyway, 
He shows up and starts spewing corporate jargon. Growth is the buzzword of the day. He mysteriously tells Ms. Marvel that he'll use her powers to amplify his right before she breaks loose thanks to her helpful new suit. Next, we have a very cool and big and splash page. Oh, so cool. She fights off Uncle Brett's zombie henchmen and Becky finally gets the back of Ms. Marvel's hand. Kamala directs her attention on Uncle Brett and we learn that the black turtleneck is a venomy type thing that starts to zombify Kamala until Zoe snaps her out of it by biting her. And they Quit make their thinking, escape. Zoe. <laughs> out in the woods, Becky and Josh kept up, catch up with them. Kamala slingshots Becky through some trees and Kamala has to stop her suit from crushing Josh like a boa constrictor. Bad suit. <laughs> Just then, Uncle Brett arrives and reveals his true form. Monopoly, a horrible mass of eyeballs and the tortured faces of those he's turned into zombies. He attacks Kamala, and as she's being absorbed, Ms. Marvel ruminates on how growth can be both a good and a bad thing, and that it's up to us to stop the bad things from growing. She breaks free, releasing all the tortured souls, and she celebrates with a bad Monopoly pun. (laughs) And Nokia celebrates with a bad Monopoly pun. Later, the authorities arrive. All the citizens of Orange Plains have been returned to normal with Monopoly's defeat. But much to Kamala's dismay, Monopoly gets off on a technicality. He had his employees sign a waiver. Fucking waivers. Always read the fine print. Becky and Josh are arrested, though, and both of them make threats against Ms. Marvel's life as they're dragged off. Seeing as how Kamala scared everyone by almost killing Josh... There's an awkward drive home with everyone retreating into their shells. The issue ends on an ominous note with a rather menacing crease schematic of the suit. And Kamala saying, the shell you crawl into to protect yourself can be the thing that kills you. I give this one 4.5 out of 5 lockjaws. Really good. Yeah, well deserved as well. Yep. Becky continues to be the worst. (laughs) Yeah. God damn it, Becky! Josh is also the worst by the end. Threatening her yes. life as he's dragged off. Yes. It was uh, an interesting turn of events with the suit, I thought. Yeah. yeah. It's I no longer know. just helpful. Right. Well, too helpful. Yeah. Makes me wonder if it's going to, that's going to come out back to sort of bite her on the ass a little bit because. Oh, it is. Yeah. And I wonder if she's actually going to return to her original suit sort of before the end of this run, potentially. Either that or, or she's going to have to tame this suit. Yeah, that's true. Or it's going to get reprogrammed somehow. Yeah, Yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah. Um, Thanks to Saladin Ahmed for acknowledging that Central New Jersey exists. <laughs> um, this is a whole point of contention in the state of New Jersey where both the only thing that North Jersey and South Jersey can agree on is that central New Jersey doesn't exist, but those of us who are in central New Jersey do claim that it exists because we're here. Because when people go, where in New Jersey are you? If you say North Jersey, they immediately assume Newark or Jersey City. If you say South Jersey, they assume like Cherry Hill or Camden. Or like somewhere down there. I am from Trenton, or nearabouts there. Princeton, um... Monmouth County, Mercer County area. So, just put for the record, that is central New Jersey. <laughs> okay. Um, however, uh, Orange Plains does not exist, although there is north, south. No, there's it's east, west, south, and orange city, New Jersey, yeah. but there's no Orange Plains. Because yeah, Orange, uh, Orange was named after uh, King William III. Who was also Prince of Orange, which is basically because he was uh, Prince of the Netherlands. Oh, well, there you have it. Bit of history for you. But uh, that that just (laughs) just reminds me of um, kind of like when I explain to somebody where I live. And it's like, oh, I live in this place. And they go, oh, I have no idea what that is. And I goes, do you know where Stonehenge is? And everybody's (laughs) like, oh, yeah, I know where Stonehenge is. I was like, yeah, about 15 miles away from there, 20 miles away from there, whatever it is. that's, That's usually what I say. I'll say I'm from Trenton, although technically I'm not really from Trenton. Because people know where Trenton is. It's the home of fucking pork roll. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is pork roll? What, what is that? I don't like it, but it's a New Jersey staple. So what, what is it? It's, think like 
spam, but better. Okay. It doesn't come in a can. It's, it's like <laughs> a lunch meat, basically. That is pork, but it's not ham. So, like, North Jersey calls it Taylor ham, and then everywhere else in New Jersey calls it pork roll because that's what it is. It's pork in roll form. It's like, it's like lunch meat. That sounds horrible. It's actually, like, a lot of people I know love it. I don't. But it's better than Scrapple, which I'm not even going to go into what Scrapple is because it's disgusting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 I go back to Miss Marvel. Um, I, I quite like the fact that um, it's kind of calling out uh, corporations and gentrification yes. And, yes. and that kind of stuff. Because yes. that's been a theme throughout Miss Marvel. I feel like yep. because it was also a theme during um, G Willow Wilson's run. Yeah. So I. I like that too. I yeah, we have a it. very I, overt villain I was in say, the form of Monopoly. Yeah, yeah. And, and Saladin Ahmed is very much a for the people kind of person, um, and that's what I love about him. He's he's very much all about awesome. everyone, um, making sure everybody is okay. And I, you know, I love him for that. I, I just wish the evil tech bros would stop wearing black turtlenecks. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's, yeah. I love my black turtlenecks. Stop it. Are you an evil tech bro? No. I, are you God. sure? Are you sure? It used to be the... the well, We have the wardrobe of the beatnik. Are you beatnik? <laughs> I was always accused of being one, yeah. <laughs> right. uh, I have no idea what that means. Um. <laughs> so old. Oh dear. We are old. Okay. I, I, think, I think it's more just because it's a very American thing. Yeah. I've heard it, Big but I don't jazz, know. Yes, it it's poetry. Oh, okay. Okay, fair and enough. And berets. Berets. <laughs> I, yeah. I rock a beret. Come on. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think what we'd call that here. Um, yeah, not, it, nothing, nothing polite is coming to mind. And just <laughs> keep it to yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, um, the, the, the tribute page in this book. Was Aww. very sad. Aww. It made me so sad. sad. Made me sad. Poor doggo. So I, I, we have I, our condolences, yeah. um, Joey Vasquez, for your beloved Ruby. Yeah, because losing losing a beloved pet like that is just Terrible. one of the most difficult things sometimes. Yep. So mm-hmm. it's things like this when Marvel does the, like little tributes like this. I I don't know. I I, think. I, I like that because it makes the book Thank much uh, much more sort of you know. Again, it's one of those books where everybody should read, and it's just so, so good. I love Miss Marvel. I do as well. Uh, letters. Uh, it's actually not Mondo Marvel. For uh, letters, you want to holler at Kamala. Oh, that's uh, right. Holler at Kamala. You need to uh, send it to mheroes at marvel.com and mark OK to print. Ladies and gentlemen, we want, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone, we want letters pages. For Strike Force and Miss Marvel, and everything we're going to review going forward. Which yeah, so he can be like, "Hey, you guys, you made it." <laughs> yeah, we want to call you out. So I know I've been called out a lot of times in letters pages. So send your letters to Marvel. Mark OK to print. M Heroes at Marvel dot com. Yeah, we um... want letters pages. I want to see Saladin answer letters. Or who else is the editors on these? Alana Smith is the editor on this one. We want them to answer letters from you. Mark it okay to print. We love letters. Letters are awesome. (laughs) (laughs) We know you're a listener. We'll call you out going, hey, you got printed. Mheroes at marvel.com. Write them letters. Give us a letters page. (laughs) Love letters pages. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Let them know you love Marvel. Marvel. (laughs) (laughs) So I I think... I think that the uh, the general gist of it is um, send them a letter. So <laughs> uh, I think that's everything. I think that's all our reviews today. Like we said, I think we're going to do Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Um, Save it for our soon. Moon Girl retrospective. Yeah, because we're going to yes. go. Th- we're going to go through all kind of like our favorite bits from the sh- from the um, from the book. Um, you know, loads of questions. Talk about it. It'll be great. It'll be super great. Yes, very excited. So we will be um, doing that in the future. Yep. Do we maybe have... Maybe with a special guest. May- maybe. Maybe. We need to confirm that, but maybe. So, 
Have we got any reading recommendations? Bearing in mind it's October and um, it's Halloween soon. Reading recommendations. I'll go first. I'll go first. So since we talked about how awful the Fae are, um, I would recommend Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell by Susanna Clark. It's a novel. It's excellent. It's about two wizards who are rivals and the Fae play a big part in it. And if you don't want to read it, it was also made into a miniseries by BBC, oh, okay. which is streaming on Netflix, and I believe you can get it on Amazon Prime. Oh, also on Blu-ray and DVD, and it's honestly the best book to screen adaptation I've ever seen. What, what was the uh, the name of it again? Sorry, Jonathan Strange and Mister Norell. All right, Who, who's in that in the uh, the BBC adaptation? Because I think I remember watching it. It takes place during the Napoleonic Wars. And let me, uh, Jonathan Strange. I definitely Mr. Norell. Being on TV. All right. Let's see more about this show. Bertie Carvel is Jonathan Strange. And Eddie Marson is Mr. Norell. Oh. oh, that's the, um, yeah, that's the guy that was in, um, World's End. That's well, since we're it. talking about how terrifying the Fae are, and also I find vampires terrifying. So the fact that I'm reading Strike Force, what does that tell you? Well, I'm reading it because, you know, Jessica Drew is my favorite ever, but we know that. But also it was really good. Um, I'm going to recommend, and I think I've recommended this before, uh, if you like urban fantasy, I'm going to say the Mercy Thompson, ser- Mercy Thompson series by Patricia Briggs. It's got vampires and Fae and werewolves. And all sorts of crazy shit going on in it. So, uh, I would recommend that. It's really fun. Um, and, uh, Patricia Briggs knows how to write terrifying vampires and, um, say, because those books have given me nightmares, but I'm also notoriously a wimp and get nightmares easily from scary shit. So, uh, yeah, I would recommend that. Well, if you want a series full of werewolves, vampires, various other shit, Harry Potter. (laughs) 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 That's all I can come up with. Like I said, it's really not, um, it's really not my kind of genre. Um, I think Harry Potter is honestly the, one of the few things I've actually read that has that kind of stuff in it. Uh, (laughs) I am going to say, go ahead, keep going. So a general, reading recommendations um from me uh seren you'll be very pleased to hear this but i've started reading wicked and the divine um, oh so good it is so good it is it's i like... have fallen behind on it but yes and it's over now unfortunately but it is so good did you did you get to go to the the wake i did not go to the wake because i am not a person that does parties oh okay Oh, so, uh, no, I did not go. And those tickets sold out very quickly, but I heard it was a lot of fun. Yeah. But no, I did not go. So, so something I didn't realize until I just started reading it was it's, it's all set in. But Al in Ewing London. was DJing. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, he was DJing. He, de- like, so Kieran Gillen and McKelvey, like, they, they DJ at the wake, and then Al Ewing will also DJ at the wakes for them. Wow. Yeah. That's... It's a good time. But wow. I do not. Yeah. But yeah, I, I've started reading that. That's really so if you good. want to know what kind of party it was, that's what kind of party it was. <laughs> um, I guess also, um, I guess House of X. I mean, that's my other recommendation. That's the that's one of the best comic books I've read this year. Um, that's yeah, that's it for me. Um, I'm gonna throw in too for comic books. If you're not reading uh, Captain America or Daredevil, you should be. Both have been excellent. Great. I think that's it. <laughs> All right. Well, We're you guys know how to episode. reach us. Uh, on Twitter and email. Yeah. So, well, yep. our Twitter is uh, at atalanrising1, and our email is the show com. We look forward to hearing from you. Until next time. Bye. Bye.